Wedgwood Christian Services is a place where hope and healing meet. As you navigate life's challenges, know that you are not alone. Hi, I'm Hillary Kirkendall, Marketing and Communications Coordinator for Wedgwood Christian Services, and these are the stories of real people who work at, learn from, and grow through the nationally accredited, faith-based nonprofit. These are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations. Today, for a Wedgwood Coffee Break, we have a conversation with James Sherrill. James is a community-based clinician for our substance use disorder treatment services, working mostly with teens within the court system. He shares great insight into substance use and how having hope can make all the difference. Hi, James. Thank you so much for joining us today for this Wedgwood Coffee Break conversation. I'll let you introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role here at Wedgwood and how long you've been with the organization. Yeah, my name is James Sherrill. Uh, I started in 2017. I was the first uh, community-based clinician that was hired for the Ottawa court program, which means I work in Ottawa County. Primarily, my role has been working with adolescents mm-hmm. in the court system. So if a kid ends up on probation, drops dirty while on probation, you know, indications of substance use, uh, the court would make referrals uh, specifically to our program. And I, like I said, I was the primary for the longest time. That's changed just a little bit, but my role still is very much adolescent focused. Recently, there's been a little bit of a, a conflict in my own mind of saying an SUD clinician versus a counselor, and I really think that I want to say, start saying for myself now that I am a counselor who also does the substance mm-hmm. use piece because a huge bit of what we do is is very much mental health focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, you're working in Wedgwood Substance Use Disorder or SUD treatment team. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what the SUD team does as a whole? It's really about affecting change. It's mm-hmm. about helping people to manage just the stuff that's going on in their life because in a lot of cases it's gotten off the rails and so substance use has been a thing where they've moved to. As far as the team goes, uh, we have a Suboxone program which is an opioid uh, blocker. So someone who's taking pills or heroin, those kinds of things can get on a medicated assisted treatment where they can meet with a Wedgwood doctor you know, every other week with a recovery coach and a counselor. I work with a few of those, those clients. As far as adolescents go, it's the court program, it's going to schools and, and just catching kids at school because that's one of the consistent places where they are. And so I've got a relationship, I've built a relationship with schools that, that's been very, very positive that I can go and see kids where they are. I see families, I see work with homes, and then just the, the SUD team as a whole is really about, you know, managing that substance use and all the associated I say stuff, you know, the mental health piece that goes with it. Mm -hmm. So you've talked about this a little bit, but what does your role look like? So what is your day-to-day dealing with adolescents who are struggling with substance use? My favorite part was going to schools. I loved going to the school and and having built a relationship with with the the guidance counselors and the, the principals and the assistant principals. I can just go in and say, hey, I need to see Joey obviously a fake name, but I need, I need to see Joey. And they're really cool about letting me come in and we can sit there in that not threatening environment where you've got to come out of school and you've got to go to an office and you've got to sit there and it's got to be exactly an hour and we got to talk and it's all this pressure. You know, we can just sit there and we can just, just gab about you know, whatever's going on. And, and is it you know, conflict at home? Is it relationship stuff with a girlfriend, boyfriend? Is it stress, anxiety? Is it substance use? So we just... 
kind of cover every bit of it. Mm. That, that well-rounded mental health piece with this with the SUD focus tacked on it. Yeah. So you maybe touched on this a little bit, but what would you say is your favorite part of your job? Working with kids. I love seeing adolescents especially because they are such a difficult population to work with. Like you, you either get, yeah, I'll work with kids or yeah, I'll work with substance use disorder. I, I get the both, but I see a great elasticity in, in, in kids. There's a lot of capacity for change. And when they do make changes, it seems to be more significant to me okay. just in, in what I see because it's setting that stage. It's, they're still in that growth process. There's still that, that moldable clay. And then as they make, I don't mold them, as they make their changes, you know, it sets them up for lifelong positive change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, teenagers have a lot of resilience, I think. Yes, they, they do. Maybe don't want to let on that they have, but they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> yep. Can you tell us a little bit more about the adolescents and the families and adults that are involved in Wedgwood's SUD services? It's been everything you can imagine. I've had very low socioeconomic. I've had very high socioeconomic. I've had every ethnicity and race, um, and it's just been super inclusive, um, just whomever it is, male, female, transgender. There's no one thing that you say, well, this is my client because it's everything. It's, mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that I really enjoy too is that that variety, that diversity. You, you learn something new. Uh, I had uh, a family of the young man, the family were, were African immigrants, and it was really neat just, just to kind of learn and see how that family perceives things differently and their, from their cultural lens. There's no one thing I can say that that's it. It's so different every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good reminder that addiction doesn't just affect one type of person. It's pretty widespread, really. It's this insidious thing that, that can that's always there, and it can just sneak in, you know, at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. So when someone gets connected to services, what does treatment in the recovery process with Wedgwood look like? It starts with um, just kind of going through the referral process, and that's confirming insurance, and then um, the referrals that would then come straight to me, and then I make contacts with the families, with the with the the client, with the schools, and then it's just about you know doing the assessment, establishing a treatment plan and treatment goals, and what like where do you want your change to be? What do you want your life to be like as a result of these services? A lot of times it's it's super basic goals. You know, people will tell you it's not therapeutic goal to say I want to be off probation, but it kind of is. Mm-hmm. You know, because what happens to get off probation? You have to stop using. You have to drop clean. You have to not have new charges. You have to be at school and be successful. And and so I kind of like to put that in there. But it's just about everything. And so then it becomes just regular contacts. And, and one of the things that I enjoy most about Wedgwood is that I have a lot of flexibility to build my calendar and to, you know, to set what I think the treatment plan should look like and what's the most appropriate. Some kids, you know, we need to meet twice a week and I'm okay doing that, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, to start out and to get them, get them going and, and really build that rapport. And then as we go on, you know, it becomes about, oh, we well, are doing good. So then we need to, we need to decrease the level of care. The other really neat thing is sometimes they don't make a whole lot of changes and they're continuing to struggle. So we have a lot of resources within the Wedgwood Agency. I refer kids to Summit quite a bit for residential care. And so what does a typical plan look like? You know, it starts with rapport building. It starts with that relationship because if they don't trust me, I'm, I'm just another 
bearded fat man that they're going to talk to, right? But when they know that they can trust me and they know that, that they're safe uh, sharing things with me, then we can really start to touch on the important issues. Mm-hmm. It sounds like everything is really individualized to what that kid or family, what their needs really are. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is very, very individualized. There's, there's really no one treatment plan. There's no one program. No one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if it's, you know, across every demographic and every socioeconomic status, one size fits all, not really going to be that effective. Nope. <laughs> so how do you see people rediscovering hope and healing while they're in our care? So thinking primarily about the, the kids that I work with and going back to that not therapeutic treatment plan of, of get off probation, that, that becomes possible. You know, and it and it seems so daunting. Like I'm on, in the court, and and I'm on probation, and I just want to get off probation. We break it down. What do you need to do? Well, I need to drop clean. Well, that's impossible because da da da. da. But we, we start to see how that can be possible. You know, recognizing that you can make some changes and you can do some things differently, and that can affect th- that whole trajectory of your life, going from being in the court, being in the system, to being off. And that's, that's a huge moment of just that, well, hope, right? Mm-hmm. Come, seeing that it's possible and having a good review. One of the other things that, that I really enjoy, that I have enjoyed doing a lot, is being able to go to court with my clients. And now it's not a testimony like, you know, on the stand, raise your right hand, swear to tell the truth. But it's really a matter of being there to support them and having the relationship I have with the court too. The, the judges and the referees know me in Ottawa County. And so as the client's sitting there and the mom is sitting there and I'm kind of sitting off behind, they'll say, hey, James, what do you say? And I love being able to just unload all those positive things. You know, we've had regular sessions and we're addressing these goals. And when it's, when it's true, saying we've had clean drug screens and just encouraging, encouraging, encouraging because there's so much of that, you know, negative and you need to change or else... And so trying to be that little bit of positive to them has been something that I've, that I've really, really enjoyed being, mm-hmm. being able to do. And so helping them shift their perspective from it's never going to happen to, oh, I can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a client story that you found to be particularly impactful? There are a lot of them, actually. But one that, that I do like to talk about, obviously without saying names, I like to share his story with, with other clients, too. Young man, Hispanic, mom was Mexican and father was from uh, farther down in Central America. And dad was very abusive. He had no relationship with his dad. And he was, he was I think he was ninth grade when I first met him. Everything about him was, was what you would see as, as negative and, un- and unhealthy. He was expelled from school. For some, for some violent stuff, I think because mom was supportive, but it was it was he had a very negative, very toxic kind of atmosphere in his own mind. He absolutely did not want to talk to me. Like I said, I was just another I was just another court guy who he had to talk to. Even things like his complexion, he was broken out and his hair was scraggly. But as we worked through, we built a relationship. He started to see that he could make some changes. The last interaction I had with him, I'll never forget this. I went to court with him because he was going to be released from probation. Man, he looked sharp. His skin was clear. His hair just that had that shine to it, that had that healthy shine to it. He had a job. He was back in school. He was being successful. And he and mom were moving out of state to go where there was a little bit more economic opportunity for mom with some family. And and seeing how he went from 
the very stereotypical substance user, gang involved, moving to just being like successful. And, you know, I want to take a little bit of credit, but ultimately he made these choices. He made these changes and he turned his life around. And I I haven't spoken to him since. It's been a, a few years now, but I can imagine him, you know, being where he is with his family, being successful. He started talking about wanting to go to college, going from expelled from school with no possibility of school, no possibility of returning to, to talking about what does he want to do with his life. And I can absolutely see him being immensely successful, you know, where he is. So. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful story in that there was like a physical transformation yeah. too, that working on this stuff in his heart and in his mind, you know, manifested in physical changes in his appearance yeah. and his posture. Oh, that's so beautiful. James. I, I wish I could, I wish I could have the pictures and share the pictures from the mugshot, which is the first thing I got mm-hmm. to, which is a typical mugshot to this, this handsome, full of hope, bright young man who was ready to just onward and upward. Oh, beautiful. Is there one thing that you think would surprise people to know about substance use disorder and recovery? I had an interaction one time with, uh, he was a deputy sheriff. My own boys are in scouts and we had the sheriff come in for, you know, to bring the police car and the fire department. And it was completely outside of the Wedgwood system that I was just standing there interacting with, with a few fathers and this deputy sheriff. And he, he talked very negatively about substance use. He didn't say they're bad, but very negative thought. The surprise I think, and and I wish I could wish I could share this with him in a, in a little bit more detail because I, I kind of tried to, um, but substance use is a lot of times that medication, mm-hmm. and it's it's what they need in the moment, and it and it helps to ease the the, the suffering in the moment that kind of creates or exacerbates that downward spiral, and so the thought that. People are bad because they're they're involved in substance use or because they have addiction issues. I, I don't like that. And that's the surprising thing is is that these are people, right? These are somebody who has a trauma and who has grief and who has guilt and shame. And the thing that they need to help them then is the substance. And it feels like in a lot of instances, the worse you know, just the life stuff, the worse the substance use is. But ultimately, these people are are people who want to be fully functioning and healthy and able to manage this. Mm-hmm. The coping tool for the moment that helps is substances. Unfortunately, it fixes now, right? If I'm yeah. high, I forget now all this stuff, but it never goes away. And in a lot of ways, it increases it because you get caught, you, you CPS involvement with the kids and family or court or probation, but they ultimately want the same things that we want. We want to be happy. We want to be fulfilled. We want to be successful that feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're not bad people. They're maybe just lacking good coping skills or support around them. Yeah. Yeah. Substance is just kind of what they've fallen onto. Maybe. Yeah. And sometimes they do have, they do have healthy coping skills, but it's just easy to get high. And it's easy to, to to fade into that stupor and to focus on where am I going to get my next fix rather than how am I going to fix my life? How am I going to change things? How am I going to get off probation? How am I going to get a job? How am I going to become independent and, and successful? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, doing all those things can be very hard. Yes, very, very, very hard. Mm-hmm. I think I used the word earlier, but insidious. It's this thing that can just kind of come in and just dig its claws into you and hold on to you. And it's a, it can be a real beast to shake. Mm-hmm. So kind of on the flip side of that insidious sense of addiction, what has been giving you hope lately? That while it is insidious, while it is claws buried deep in your brain and holding on, you can shake it. You absolutely can beat it. There is nothing that's insurmountable. And so while, yeah, we may have our ups and downs, you know, the client will will be clean and, and be successful and work towards independence and then fall into a pattern for a while, there's that always possibility. There's there's always that opportunity for, for moving on and up and better and, and success. I think of the the book, of course, I'm going to date myself, that, that This Present Darkness. Um, it was Frank Peretti, and it was came out a long time ago. I read it when I was a kid, and I, I, I listened to it you know, on Audible not too long ago because I drive a lot. And there's that picture of the demon that's got this person that's just hanging on. And, and I like to think of it that way. And, and I even tell clients, it's the little angel and the little devil on your shoulder. And the more you can go get away, you can beat it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How have you seen God moving at Wedgwood? In those changes, mm-hmm. in those in those changes, in those things that where people just take hold of their life mm-hmm. and make those changes. Think think about that young man. That was him making choices. That was him also seeing that that he could take his power. And where does that come from? Right? It doesn't come from James. I didn't put anything in his head, but I absolutely my faith says that there is absolutely he, he has a purpose. And God can be like, oh, hey, you know, come on, go this way, go this way. Mm-hmm. And it's in those little interactions. It's in that, that hey, I dropped clean today. Or better yet, or, or I guess worse yet, hey, I had a relapse. Well, come on, let's get back into it. And, and it's, just, it's everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about the demon grabbing a hold, but there's always that, just like the book, This Present Darkness, right? There's always that power, that, that faith, that hope, that positivity, it's always there. Mm-hmm. Also ready to not put its claws in you, but wrap you up. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, James, it was a delight to chat with you today. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we appreciate your dedication to making a difference in the lives of kids and families in West Michigan. Thanks for having me. James is a beautiful example of the compassion, grace, and support that are so integral to the care provided here at Wedgwood. You can learn more about our substance use disorder treatment programs and get connected to services by visiting our website or calling our intake lines. Links and numbers will be available in the episode description. Curious about our services? Visit us at wedgwood.org, W-E-D-G-W-O-O-D, and find us on our social media at wedgwoodcs. Or shoot us an email at hello at wedgewood.org. We would love to be a part of your story. Until next time, these are Wedgewood's Coffee Break Conversations.